Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our fourth season, we're looking at Kenneth Branagh's 2011 film, Thor. I'm Matthew Fox from TheEthicalPanda.com. And I'm Andy Nelson from The Next Real Film Podcast. And today we're talking about Minute 51, which begins with Eric finding a book and ends with Jane giving Thor a ride. Joining us today and all this week is Scott Corelli, founder of Dueling Genre Podcast Network and host of Franchiseography. So, Scott, so good to have you with us. Uh, what made you pick this set of minutes? Uh, yeah, I, I just really love all of the fish out of water stuff in this movie. Um, and, uh, and I'm particularly fond of the, uh, the pet shop, uh, scene just because it's a ridiculous thing to ask. I don't know. It's just, it's a really <laughs> funny scene. I, I really like it a lot. <laughs> I'm I'm a little surprised I haven't seen more fan art of Thor on a giant cat. You know, yeah. it just seems like that's the kind of thing someone would want to make. Well, we'll get into that and all other things about this minute in just one moment. What are your thoughts on the pet shop? How about Thor's romp around Puente Antiguo? Join us in the conversation in our Discord group. We have a growing group of Marvel fans just waiting to include you in the conversation over in our Discord server. Head to truestory.fm slash Marvel Movie Minute and click on the Discord link. We start out with a shot of Eric in the library, and we know he's just sent out the email, and he's kind of walking out, and he his attention is caught by the, uh, some books. And he doesn't go to the book that we're going to later find out is about Norse mythology and other kind of mythology. He first grabs a book called The Giant Slayer by Ian Lawrence. Uh, and I, I looked this up. This is a real book. It's a book about the power of stories and how fantasies can become real. Uh, it's all about a girl who, in 1955, goes into a polio ward and tells a story to the kids there and that the kids kind of start to see themselves in it. And they get the metaphor for, you know, slaying the, the thing that's in your life in terms of all of them wrestling with polio and stuff like that. Um, is this a book either you had ever heard of? I certainly had not heard of it. I was kind of wondering why this is the one that would catch Eric's attention. I haven't heard of it. I don't know. No, it's funny. I, I, it's, I mean, it sounds like an interesting book for sure. Um, my, my hunch when I started going through the list of books on this particular, uh, kind of book cart that Eric's looking at is that they picked a lot of ones that just had names or they felt like something that in some way were kind of a, a subtle, you, you know, homage to kind of the story of Thor and everything. Yeah, I also noticed that there's three books right next to each other. One is called Great Moments in Fiction. Another is called Adventures in Fact. And the third is called Fantasy on Parade. And given that so much of this is about, you know, Eric and, and Darcy and Jane trying to figure out where is fiction and where is fact, uh, those seem kind of appropriate. I'll just run down the books, uh, the books that we see here. Um, there, the, some of them are hard to identify, but uh, some of them feel very much placed here. The Forest Lord, Summer Pony, Patriot's Gold, Trumpeter, The Story of a Swan, Mystery on Safari, Professor, Professor Diggins Dragons. She said yes. There's, there's the first one. Maybe there's a little romantic comedy uh, homage there. I don't know. The Heat of the Day, The Unanointed, Score One for the Sloths, my personal favorite on this <laughs> shelf here, The King's Trousers, and The Royal Nap. There, the Royal Nap, we just saw Odin fall, or we're going to be seeing Odin kind of in this in the um, the Odin sleep. Then we have Collier's Junior Classics 4, just around the corner, The Long Christmas, The Junior Classics 7, The Animal Book, David the King, then, as you said, The Giant Slayer, and then we have the three, the Walt Disney Parade books, Great Moments in Fiction, Great Moments in Fact, Fantasy on Parade that you mentioned. Then there's also The Secret History of Giants, or the Codex Giganticum, 
myths, myths and legends from around the world. That's the other one Eric will pick up. Uh, then we have Charity. Uh, there's some other book and a spot of bother and Bonita Fay. So it's it's an interesting amalgam of books, but I I feel I can't help but feel like the production design department very specifically picked certain ones as they kind of like were going through these books because they seemed like fun ones to kind of throw in as nods to the story of Thor. The Long Christmas in particular just makes me hope for a Thor Christmas movie. <laughs> Uh, yes, yeah, I mean, we're getting a Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special right. coming up pretty soon, and we know that Thor and, and Rocket have become good friends, so yeah. we, we might get your wish. Um, certainly, as a Star Wars fan, I am very much hoping that this holiday special is better than the Star Wars holiday special, so um, I, I wish all Marvel fans better luck than we got. Uh, yeah, right, right. So, of course, the real moment, though, that we're seeing here is when Eric then finds the myths and legends from around the world, which it turns out is not a real book, I think, because they wanted to have a very specific look to it. Uh, and he's paging through, and he's, you know, he finds something about the Bifrost, he finds something about Thor's Day, and how that becomes Thursday. And he's got the kind of great look on his face. It's almost kind of amusement, and like he's he's laughing at the fact that he's even thinking about this. What, what do you think is going on in his head during that moment? I, you know, he's looking at what is obsessively, it looks like a children's book, um, just sort of about Norse mythology, and is reading this stuff, you know, this guy is like a brilliant scientist and he is reading this stuff because he's like, well, maybe I should read up on Thor, you know? And then he's just like, what am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, and I, I kind of love that. I love this character. I really do. Um, they, they do him dirty in Avengers, but um, I like him a lot in the Thor movies. I hope he comes back in the next one, but I don't think he is. He's He's such a fun character and it does feel very much like, I mean, there's all this talk that's been going on with this crazy character the spaceman that they found about the bifrost and odin and things like as he said these words that i haven't heard since i was a kid and i can't help but like with all of that bouncing around in his head he just he sees this and it latches it, it like clicks something in his head and he's just like looking at it with such childish delight but especially when he pauses and looks at kind of the page the origin of thursday the the way that he kind of has that reaction afterward it's almost like he, these puzzle pieces are getting put together and he really doesn't want to see what the picture is you know like he's like i this isn't good this isn't i i don't want to see the the results of this well scott i kind of like the way you framed it cuz i think it's sort of halfway between where like the puzzle pieces are starting to come together and then he's like no, that can't be it. That 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 can't be. Like, especially because I, I like if I was in his position, the first thing that would come to me is this is not a town with like you know the metropolitan city library. Like this is a podunk town. There's maybe five five hundred books in here, a thousand books. This could just be a drunk, and this is the last book he read to his kids. You know, right. like that's why this guy's <laughs> blabbing on about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it'd be like if a a scientist saw a ghost, you know? And it's just right. like, I, if that's true, if ghosts exist, then everything I know as a science, a scientist is a lie. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, you know, having to reckon with the idea that Thor could exist and Asgard could exist and Norse gods could exist is probably a lot for a scientist to wrap his head around. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's very fair. Yeah. 
So before we cut out of the scene, I just want to read what's actually on these pages, uh, because I think that there's some interesting elements that kind of illuminate a little bit more about the Bifrost and Thor and everything. So on the Bifrost page, it's the Bifrost, the Rainbow Bridge to Asgard. The other interesting thing is that each of these pages, from what I could tell, are in English, and then they have it written in Norwegian, and then they also have it written in Icelandic. Mm. Very interesting book to find in uh, rural New Mexico. It's also a really (laughs) easy way to fill a page full of words in a prop book. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think just just worth mentioning, I don't think those languages are random, though, in that um, obviously Norway is where we we think of a lot of these things coming from. But the Eddas, the documents that I've mentioned a couple of times that are the oldest existing records of these these myths or Norse god stories are all in Icelandic. So I think that part is very intentional. Gotcha. Interesting. Interesting. Well, uh, so what it says about the Bifrost, it says, Rainbow Bridge connected Asgard to the other lower realms of Yggdrasil below the clouds. The bridge was a protected gateway that prevented intruders such as the Jotun or trolls from entering into Asgard because the red of the bridge was glowing fire that would burn their feet. Hmm. I love that image so much. The bridge's protection allowed the gods time for other matters instead of constantly defending Asgard. Odin appointed, it says, Hemidal. They they spell, there's a number of misspellings in the book. I don't know if it's intentional, but Odin appointed Hemidal, Heimdall, as watchman of the bridge because he would be able to warn all if an enemy tried to sneak into Asgard. So that's the story there. And it's got a nice picture of Thor and Odin walking pleasantly along the bridge. Uh, it looks like maybe Heimdall and I don't know, somebody else are on the other page uh, by Asgard, which looks literally like a mountain on a cloud. And then on the origin of Thursday, hyphen Thor's day, this is what it says about that. Thursday was named after the Norse god of thunder. Thor corresponded to Jupiter, and thus his name was given to the Roman Dies Jovis, the day of Jupiter. When other tribes replaced the name Jupiter with Thor, Thor's Dag, or in English, Thursday, became the name of the fifth day of the week. Thor was also identified with Donar, the thunder god of Teutonic mythology. His name survives in the English weekday named Thursday, Donerstag in German, Donderdag in Dutch. Hmm. So, yeah. Who knew? The most interesting thing in all of that is that the rainbow bridge, the red color, is actually fire that burns your feet. (laughs) Well, and I kind of like that as well, because I think, you know, we're supposed to know at this point that what humans know is, you know, it's kind of that Lord of the Rings moment of, you know, history became legend, legend became myth. And, And so I think it's kind of fitting that like what's written here is what people who were there a thousand years ago in Norway told people, and then they told people, and then they flew people. And so, yeah, the details like the fire, you know, the red is the fire that burns their feet. That sounds like the kind of detail that gets added to a story as it gets told again and again and again. Because if you're sitting at a fire and they're only going to give you meat if you tell a good story, that's a fun little detail to throw into a story. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love I love that those little bits. It just makes it kind of a fun a fun thing to include in kind of the mythology here. So then we cut to Jane, uh, who's in the truck idling. And and when I watched it, I was not really sure what she was waiting for. Although in the script, she's supposed to have pulled up in the truck and he was just going to run in uh, while she stayed in the truck, which you're running in. You got to go to the computer. You got to send the email. It seemed a little bit a long time to sit out in the street, but fair enough. Um, and then, of course, she sees Thor going into a pet store. And, and my question is, what has Thor been doing all this time? Because since we left <laughs> Thor... They had this whole thing with S.H.I.E.L.D. where all their equipment got t- 
taken. They went and sat on the rooftop and were morose for a while. And Thor doesn't seem to have gone anywhere. He's made it nowhere. I mean, they were they were literally like two blocks down the road from where they are now. And we saw Thor and he was walking back up the hill in the direction of of the uh, of Smith Motors, albeit like one street over. So, yeah, it's it's like he's just been meandering around town. And it's funny because, you know, there was this sense that perhaps he was looking at the sun. I think we talked about this with our guest last week, how he was looking at the sun to figure out which direction is west so that he knew where to go. So because he was heading 50 miles west. But it really seems like he's just wandered around and has gotten nowhere. And it's like, what? Yeah, he potentially has been here for I don't know, as as little as uh, a half hour to 45 minutes, maybe an hour, or as much as like a half day. I mean, just it's it's very odd. I like the idea of him walking around town asking people where he could find a horse. And then somebody <laughs> somebody finally being like, I don't know, the pet store? And then he's like, great, point me in the direction. And then this is where we see him now. I like it. I like it. <laughs> What's what's funny is that if the farther he got out of town, like the more likely he he would be to actually come across a horse, like in somebody's ranch. But here he is in the middle of town with just no clue. Yeah, <laughs> it's so funny. Well, so then we get to the scene that you said you you loved. He goes into the pet store. What is it you love about this moment? Well, it's just it's that fish out of water thing of of like him not understanding. You know, he's used to Asgard, where like the person with the animals, I go to him and I tell him that I want a horse and he gives me a horse and I go, I leave on the horse. But in this, he's, <laughs> he, he doesn't really, you know, he just doesn't understand why he can't just have what he wants when he wants it. Um, and, uh, and he doesn't understand the concept of what a pet store is either. Um, or that even if they had a horse, he would have to buy it. Uh, he wouldn't be able to just take it. Uh, so I, I just, I really love the fish out of water stuff in this movie. And this is, this is just, um, one of the best examples of it, I think. And, and the reaction from uh, Kyle, who's played by a guy named Isaac Cappy, I, I think is just perfect. Because certainly what I get the sense of is this man has not known sobriety for a long time. He is under uh, a happy little permastone kind of, you know, uh, thing. And so he's just like, he has the same shock of like someone asking a horse, but also just you know, weird things are happening in his head all the time. So he's not really quite sure what's <laughs> happening. Yeah. Well, and his reaction is great. Like, we we don't have those, just dogs, cats, <laughs> birds. <laughs> yeah. I also like the idea that he's a guy who's just worked in customer service his whole life. And he was like, yeah, I get customers that ask for weird stuff sometimes. And... <laughs> yeah, that's certainly possible, too. <laughs> One thing we see when we uh, go into the store is that all the animals seem to perk up. Do we think this is just because animals do that whenever someone walks into a pet store in a small town because it doesn't happen often or is this something about thor's radiance or magnetism that just or they all hate his eyebrows or whatever it is (laughs) (laughs) and the fact that they're just ridiculously cute puppies yeah i mean also true i think i think he's a man of animals thor I think if he would just like found himself in the in the woods, I feel like woodland creatures would be attracted to him. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, kind of like a Disney princess. That's what I imagine. So yeah, that makes sense. I, I love that. I I, I want to now have him as like the puppy prince. Yeah, yeah, you know? that works well. That works well. Um, and so of course, then Jane sees him and offers to give him a lift. What do you think has changed for her? Because before he asked her to do this, and she said no because Eric had really tried to talk her out of it. Is it just because she's now thinking 
there's there's nothing else to do. Why not? Is it just that Eric's not there to talk her out of it? What's changed for her? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think it's the Eric factor largely. I think there's something about not just him, but the fact that this is this person that, you know, she, you know, believes came down from space, kind of the spaceman person who arrived in this atmospheric disturbance. And uh, like her her curiosity really gets the best of her. Like she is so intent on figuring this out. I think she's just, she wants to get to the bottom of all of it. Also, you know, I think that she was so taken with him when last they parted and he, you know, kissed her hand and, and was just so um, polite. And I guess you could almost say regal in the way that he kind of departed that i think that there is something that just draws her to him and uh, as we've said this is totally romantic comedy territory and i think there's just that draw yeah i think she just wants to see how this plays out you know um i mean this is obviously we had the whole prologue and and we keep cutting back to asgard throughout the movie so you know we as the audience are fully aware that thor is real and like all of this is real right but like the trope of is this guy crazy or is he for real? Like he's actually this thing. That is a trope that's been like in a lot of things. There was a show called Cupid that was like a whole show about this psychiatrist and one of her, one of her clients was a guy who said that he was Cupid and that he was sent to earth and all of his powers were taken away because he has to prove that he can get a hundred couples together. And, you know, which is exactly the number of episodes it takes to go into syndication. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Funny so, how that works. And, and that show, the whole point of that show was just like, is he for real? Is he actually Cupid or is he just a guy who thinks he's Cupid? And I, I really love that trope. I think it's a lot of fun and i love that they're playing with it in this movie but i do i have always wanted to see the version of this movie that's just strictly from natalie portman's perspective mm. where it's just like you don't get to see any of the thor stuff until like oh he's not crazy like in the third act right yeah know? right it's funny you mentioned cupid the first thing i flashed to is lucifer which is a very similar idea where sure. we, the audience know that he's for real, but the main female character, and it's kind of a extended rom-com, is never quite sure what to believe of him. And, and I think it, playing with that trope as well, another part of that trope often, especially in romantic comedies, is that our heroine doesn't really believe the person or doesn't give them a chance until they have nothing left to lose. Right. And that's exactly where Jane is here, too. So I feel like what Eric was always able to kind of use to, to pull her back was you got to focus on the research. You got to be careful. We can't lose all of this stuff. She just did. You know, she's everything she has worked for is gone. And I think there's a kind of like, why the hell not? What else am I going to do? Just sit on a rooftop and bemoan this. Right. They took all my stuff because of this guy. So yeah. 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 Well, what else do I have to do? Exactly. Right. Yeah. There's, I mean, literally like what that, I mean, that's a good question. Like what, what are she and Eric about to do as soon as he's sent this email off to uh, Dr. Pym? It's like, you know, what's next? Are they, were they just going to be heading to the airport to fly back to uh, Culver or, you know, what was next? Right. So, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like, there's nothing at this point for them. And, there's, and so she ends with a line, I've never done anything like this. What does she mean there? Is this like, I've never gone off to raid a government facility? I've never driven off in a van with a strange, cute man? What, what's what's the never thing that she's done here? Well, she doesn't know it's a government facility yet. I mean, th theoretically, you know, from the from Pete and Jake, when they're talking in the, in the diner earlier, she knows that a satellite 
crashed that he thinks is his and that the government came in. But I, I don't I don't I guess I don't know if she expects what she's about to find. You know, it just it like, are there just some guards there? Who knows? Um, but it does it to me, it feels like just kind of she seems like a character who, um, well, I don't know. I'm torn because she is so driven by her, like her passion with her science and everything that she does make a lot of choices that you, you would think that she questions later. Like that probably wasn't a good idea. I still got what I wanted, but you know, I nearly crashed a car or whatever. So it is one of those things like, does, is she, is it just the fact that she's getting into this car with this strange man that, you know, she has been warned about time and time again? I don't know. I think she's just never left a friend of the library before. I mean, also, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> if, if Eric was ever going to be okay with this, having it be when he's just like, wait one minute, and then he comes back out and she's gone. Like, <laughs> yeah. that That's going to set up a conversation <laughs> down the road. Well, and where's Darcy through all this? Like, I kept thinking, like, was she in the library too and we just never saw her? Was she just sitting back at Smith Motors? Is she, you know, getting food because she's, you know, bored? Is she, you know, iPod shopping? <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. And then, of course, we just get this incredibly cheesy, hammy smile. You know, she says, have you ever done this before? And he's just like, it looks like the lips are going to split wide open. His reaction to her saying, I've never done anything like this before. You just know something's, you know, in his head of moments like this before for him. So, yeah, we're going to talk a lot about sort of his kind of bemusement with her uh, in the next minute. But anything else we wanted to get into from this particular minute? Yeah, so I've got a couple things to uh, to bring up. Um, the first, uh, going back to her Pinsgauer, uh, when we see her parked there, uh, there's a little, I, I, I don't know if it's really intended to be an Easter egg, but it certainly is something. There is a parking tag on the front windshield, and it is actually Culver University, where, uh, of course, we saw a lot of that in The Incredible Hulk. That's where Jane went to school, as we've talked about before. Uh, this is her parking permit for Lot F, and it says staff. So I guess she also now works at Culver University, which I'm assuming is where she's getting all this research uh, funding for to do this project. And there's also a tag hanging from the rearview mirror that has the same crest on it, the same Culver University crest uh, with her name on it. And it says experimental particle physics which I think is very interesting because, you know, she's always been dubbed kind of like an astrophysicist and, and it seems like she's working in the experimental particle physics division. Uh, and that is the practical investigation of the fundamental components of matter and radiation. And I think, you know, as, as we talked about in the script, when S.H.I.E.L.D. was taking all the gear from her lab, one of the things that they mentioned in the script is that there is a dark matter um, machine that they have or a dark, dark matter analysis machine and so i think it's really interesting that they there are all these elements that they kind of have scattered throughout the film that really are setting her up to be involved in dark matter and kind of this whole idea of particle physics and stuff because i i, I can't imagine they were already thinking forward to uh the dark world um but i just i find that interesting that in in the world of astrophysics physics that she's studying there's also this whole element here. If I remember correctly, don't quote me on this. The idea of dark matter was something that, like, you know, scientists have known about for some time. And this whole idea that, like, we can't find 98% of the universe is, is kind of a fascinating thing. And about, like, 10, 15 years ago, there was this kind of this cultural moment where that was a thing people were talking about a lot. And so I do wonder if maybe that was a part of it. Like, dark matter was just kind of something that was on, you know, kind of like that, you know, 
original Spider-Man is radiation, and then later it's genetic genetic engineering, because that's kind of the, the thing that's in the zeitgeist at the moment. Um, I, I'm just spitballing here, so I could be totally wrong, but that might be part of, part of why they went with Dark Matter here. Yeah, I mean, it's as good a guess as any, I guess. I mean, again, because, I mean, the Dark Matter, it's, it's only Malekith's dagger in the dark world that it, that really kind of relates. So again, I, I don't even, I can't even imagine that they were thinking about that at, that at that point. So it's, I don't know, it's just such a strange um, thing that they've kind of included as part of like what Jane is up to. Because I mean, it never comes up again. It's always astrophysicist. So, so there's that. And then also, you know, as we've done before, I wanted to do continue our, our, our tour through Puente Antiguo. Uh, anytime we're getting new angles of Punta Antigua, it's always nice to see what we see here. Um, so again, she sees Thor going into the Pet Palace, which we've seen before. Next to Pet Palace, we see a State Farm Insurance Agency. So uh, we know that they're in town here, and they're right next to the liquor locker, which we've seen before. And then once he goes in, we see through the door two other shops across the street. One of them looks like they're selling guns and ammo. Um, I can't quite read the sign but uh, or all the letters on the sign, but the image weirdly looks like a person swinging a baseball bat. So I don't know how that ties into guns and ammo, but it is Puente Antiguo. And then next to that is a movie rental shop. It has like a little DVD uh, sign in the window. It looks like it could be Stacks video or something, but I think it might actually be Stan's video, uh, which of course would make a lot more sense. So I like to think that's another little uh, nod to Stan Lee there. Hmm. I'm sure that in about 10 years, people are going to be showing this movie to their kids and they're going to be like, wait, what do you mean a video store? You used to buy Netflix? I don't understand. It's like, <laughs> just going to fade it out. Well, anyway, we're going to have a lot more to talk about over the next couple of days. But Scott, for listeners who may not know of your stuff already um, and want to hear more, where can they find your stuff? Uh, all of my stuff, all of my shows are at uh, duelinggenre.com. Uh, that's the podcast network uh, that I started in 2015. And uh, yeah, you can check out all of my stuff. And I guess today I think what I'll do is I'll plug my my Movies by Minute shows that are all completed now. So I have done Spider-Man Minute, which was the Sam Raimi trilogy. Um, I have done Back to the Future Minute. And I have done the Cornetto Minute, which is the uh, Edgar Wright, Simon Peck, Nick Frost trilogy of Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and The World's End. So that is nine seasons of movies by minute shows that you can go and uh and and listen to um and listen to me talk in depth about all of those movies it's something like i think it's like 995 episodes or something like that i mean it's it's bonkers but um okay. most pertinent to, to you guys your listeners is probably spider-man minute which is a show i'm very very proud of uh and those three spider-man movies um we just had a ton of fun breaking those down minute by minute and uh i i love i i just i adore those movies um and we get to talk about so many like what ifs and and changes and production problems and all that good stuff um and uh it's i think it's a really interesting show and i'm really really proud of it so check it out spider-man minute nice well it definitely sounds great uh spider-man obviously is right in the marvel wheelhouse i have to say though as someone who is the perfect age for growing up um back to the future is the one that i'm going to want to check out particularly because 
one of my proudest geek moments is I at one point drove 100 miles to a theater that was doing a live showing of uh, Back to the Future on the big screen, and they had the DeLorean parked out front that you could take pictures with. And That's awesome. I then did some more research, and apparently there's five different people driving cars around, all claiming that they are the original DeLorean. Uh-huh. Um, so who <laughs> the heck course. knows if I got it with the right one, but still, it was a, a fun little moment. So That's really awesome. Yeah. Definitely check, uh, so ch- uh, fans, check all those out. Uh, of course, check out all the other great podcasts we have here on the Next Real family of podcasts. And more than anything, have a great day. Until next time, true believers. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is One Last Ride by Martin Puringer. Find the show at truestory.fm. And if your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, consider doing that for this show. Thank you.